All right, this is the Dysfunctional Veterans Podcast. First episode, take one, or take three, or 15, actually. And now, the Dysfunctional Veterans Podcast with Dirty and Stiffy. Ah, come on, chill out. It's their call signs. And now, stand by to activate your dysfunction in three, two, one, go. Hey, good morning, it's Dirty and Stiffy, and today we're going to be talking about coffee, beard, stress cards... Cholula and whatever else comes to mind. Which are a lot of things, usually. Lots of things. Let's get dysfunctional. Let's do it. How you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Uh, I, I can't complain. Yeah, it's good. It's March 3rd, 2021. It we is. survived 2020. And we're working on 2021. We are working on it. Today is my lovely husband's birthday. Happy birthday, Deuce. He's the Deuce. How old is he today? 157. That's pretty old. Yeah, he looks great, though. What's the secret? Cream. What kind of cream? You know. The face? kind of cream. Yeah, face cream. Face cream? Yeah. yeah well, that's right. what he calls it anyway. I've heard different things, but uh, whatever works. I know. Well, since we're talking about beards today, you have a fine-looking beard. Uh, it's okay. It's looking good. You know, it's coming in nicely. This is a, I'll call this a um, maybe a seven-day beard. It's right before the itchy stage. But um, I got to keep it short these days because, um, you know, work. Work. Where do you work? Yeah, I work for a company out of Love Field flying business jets. And um, while they don't have a rule on beards and the FAA doesn't really have a rule on beards, it, it, uh, you know, I got to keep it looking nice and uh, keep it short uh, so the mask seals around and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I had that problem when I was in the military, keeping my beard shaved. Did you shave it or wax it? Yeah. Both. You know, whatever was convenient. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough to do it at 19,000 feet. <laughs> well, hey, we just wanted to, um, we put this podcast together, I guess, to, uh, you know, just uh, chit chat and uh, talk about um, things that we experienced in the military and, and um, have discussions with you guys on things that you may have experienced in the military or, or in life in general. And we're kind of going to be all over the place. We've got a list about a mile and uh, half long of uh, topics we'd like to discuss or, over the next uh, few months and uh, see what you guys think about it. All right. So we're going to start off with beards. We are. How, where are we going to start on beards? I, I like the history of beards, yeah, I, honestly. Where did they the, start out? The dawn of time. The dawn of time. Right? Ever since the dawn of time. Depending on what you believe in how humans grow. We either grew from a tiny little speck with a beard or we grew from a human with a beard. Was it Adam? This is our first question for you guys. Where did the beard come from? Where did the beard come from? Was it the chicken or the egg? These are the questions. Yeah, I like it. Where did the beard come from? So so I'm going to tell you a word. Poganophile. Poganophile. Okay. One who loves or studies beards. Wow. <laughs> you can be. You can also ha- have a uh, a phobia called pagonophobia. One who fears beards. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully nobody had that like back in the day. Fear the beard. Is that That's where that right. came from? Fear the beard. Does anyone have this? I want to know. Who are you and where are you from? If are, you and, if you fear beards. Yeah. And what uh, what sensation does seeing a beard give you? Yeah. I I have a I have a fear of circles. <laughs> I know that sounds really weird, but there's a there's like a thing. 
where if you see like circles that are like not proportional, it kind of uh, gives me the heebie-jeebies. Uh, you get that OCD thing going on. Yeah, uh, something. Understand. Yeah, so beards can uh, can come from laziness. Yeah. Or defiance. Maybe you've got like an ingrown hair. I don't know. Why do you grow a beard? Why do you like to have a beard? Oh, um, mostly because I don't like to shave. Yeah, so laziness. Yeah, yeah, laziness, I guess. I don't care how long it is. I just don't like to shave. It's easier to get the clippers out and just, you know, go to town on it and then trim up the edges with the razor. Yeah, I feel like I like to see a beard. It's like kind of a, a masculine thing, you know, like manly. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, I, I like a beard. I'd like to have a big one, but it just doesn't fit in with work and it never fit in with the Navy. So, well, I mean, it used to before. When did, when did beards go away in the Navy? Well, I don't know. I mean, the history of beards is talking about, you know, men used to have really long beards as a warmth and protection. Well, I mean, I mean, if you think about it. Was it getting you, caught you in really, the machinery? You didn't really have a way to get rid of it. Yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't scissors. <laughs> there wasn't scissors back up. then. Yeah. Take a sharp, uh, sharp uh, rock, I guess. And Yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? Tell us what you think. But seriously, when did they go away in the Navy? Do we know? Uh, you know, it was probably the 70s. When it, pot it, went away, well, it was probably. A, it was a safety thing, wasn't it? It's got to be Catch, a safety thing. You, you can't get that thing. Machinery and all that kind of stuff. Or I was mean, it a, was it more of the, uh, you know, when the uniforms got cleaned up and that kind of thing and we all started having to look really pretty? Yeah. You know, I guarantee you that there was not a chief in the Navy that was like for this, for sure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It's probably when they started letting women, women in the military. No, no. The women have been in the military for a long time. Yeah, that's true. Since the 1800s. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, no, seriously. I mean, you had female nurses in the Civil War. That's right? true. The Revolutionary War. Uh, were they official military members? I, I think so. I thought they were volunteers. No, we're going to have to, this will be in, another topic. In World War II, I know they were official military members. That's true. Yeah. That's when they were flying, but they couldn't fly in combat. Wait, weren't we talking about beards? <laughs> so, <laughs> so went down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, it, it's, uh, if you have a big beard, it's tough because you get stuff in it. And you got to clean it out and you got leftover food and that kind of stuff. But you know what I don't mind getting stuck in my beard? <laughs> Coffee. <laughs> How's that for a transition? I like that transition. <laughs> now, you want to start a coffee shop yourself, don't you? I, I would love to start a coffee shop. That's one of the things that I, I've um, I've thought about doing um, for a while now. But, uh, but, you know, I like coffee. Everybody likes coffee. It's um, it's with a, the... Um, words words the uh, most widely used uh, legal drug there is out there right that's true I mean it's a, a everybody knows it's a stimulant uh, and not only in coffee but caffeine is used in all kinds of stuff but um, but I like coffee uh, you know we lived in Italy for three years and I really love espresso now in fact I almost uh, never drink American coffee anymore because I like it so much well, what's the difference between espresso and coffee is it the way it's roasted? Uh, what it's, do you think? Well, it, it has to do with the roast. It has to do with the way it's prepared. Obviously, it's made in a, in a different kind of machine than American coffee is. America. America. We we will mess up anything in America. Anything good, we'll just break it. 
it was it's I guess it just depends on how you make it. But um, American coffee, for the most part, is a lot weaker than Italian coffee or French coffee or coffee anywhere in Europe, for that matter. Well, I'll tell you the worst coffee on the planet is Navy coffee. It's disgusting. It's horrible. Nobody knows how to make it. The person who gets the coffee-making job is the lowest bidder in the ready room, wherever. If you're a minion, you're making coffee. It's usually somebody that doesn't drink coffee. That's it, a problem. It, it is always someone who doesn't, they don't know how much coffee to put in the little container. The coffee pot is always burned. It's just bad. It's yeah. so bad. It's too thick. It's like motor oil. Oh, that's the best way. No. You don't like that? No. I yeah. like mine like blonde. Like I need, I like cream with some coffee in it. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. That Navy coffee is just straight coffee. That's just, yeah, I don't think so. I mm. think it has. I think it's motor oil. <laughs> it's JP5. <laughs> JP JP8. So tell me about did you used to make the coffee? I I did make a I did make the coffee for a little while in my squadron. And then I got fired from that. For making the coffee? It was probably because you made it too light. It was Is that ba- the problem? Yeah, it was bad. Or they said it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I'd make the coffee uh you know in the in the um in Afghanistan when you were there it was hard. To, there's no running water in the in the squadron spaces, right? Yeah. So you have to use the bottled water. And what I would do is just gather up all the bottles that people leave laying around that were half full and use that to make. You did coffee. not. I did. Shut up. No. That's I mean, so gross. Know, it's really hot. Ew. It probably burns. That's how we got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> you you caused the COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I did. <laughs> Tell me about Afghanistan, man. What was your favorite thing about it? Nothing. Nothing. The flying, the flying was good. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the Wild West. It's mountainous, right? Go do your stuff, and if you got a little extra gas, go do some sightseeing. Yeah, but it's very mountainous. and very mountainous. It's a beautiful country from twenty five or 30,000 feet. Yeah. Yeah, maybe one of these days I'll get their stuff figured out and open up for some tourism. It'd be great great ski resorts over there. There there would be. Up in the north. Yeah. The south, I'm not sure what the south has got to offer, but... uh, Yeah, if they start liking Americans more, then... Maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe that too. Yeah. I, I flew in I flew in Iraq. It's very flat there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so they would be shooting at us and we could see the tracers, but it's really, it's so flat, they really couldn't reach us at yeah. our altitude. Yeah. Ramadan was always interesting. Yeah. Oh, I got stuck in Ramadan, during Ramadan in uh, in Saudi Arabia when I was there. It was like 1995. And it was... Everything closes down all the time, like five times a day. Yeah. Which, you know, we're not used to that in America. That's pretty standard. I was in Bahrain for that. But I guess what I was getting at is it was interesting, you know, flying around at night during Ramadan with the NVGs on and and seeing all the tracers from everybody just going outside and shooting their guns up in the air and that kind of thing. Yeah. So they were doing Ramadan and they were shooting for no reason? Oh, yeah. You know, it's like fireworks. Oh, okay. Maybe we should get them some fireworks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you know, I uh, was talking to uh, one of the skippers who flew into Libya. So, Tab Stringer, yeah. when he was the skipper. Hey, Tab, hope you listen to this. <laughs> so, he was a skipper of one of the EA-18 squadrons that first went into Libya, and he said that that it was easy to counter them because even though they had Russian weaponry, it was rusty, and they hadn't trained on it in like a bajillion years. And so when they would shoot the missiles, it would, they were having to just use like SA-7s 
So they were so what he saw when he went in there, he thought what he would see was Russian giant Russian missiles coming up at him, but what he actually saw was dudes in the back of a truck on a rolling chair with the SA7 and some binoculars. <laughs> and so he he felt he felt pretty secure in being able to counter that process. Yeah, but that was an interesting deployment for those guys. I believe they were uh they're out of somewhere in Italy, so they were probably uh, you know living the good life when they weren't flying. Yeah. So you you drink coffee, drink the good coffee the good that we've coffee, decided is from Italy. The good wine. And then you have to the launch good food. and go see <laughs> some SA7s. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then you got and then you can head back and drink the good vino. Right. I mean, at least you got something to look forward to when you get back. It's not like you're coming into Bagram and uh, you know going down to Green Beans Coffee and getting some green beans coffee and some food at the Dragon Chow Hall. Yeah. Kind of rolling the dice here. Well, any chow hole, you're, you're kind of rolling the dice. Did I say chow hall? Hole? Chow hole? <laughs> chow hall. Chow hall. It's not a hole. It might be a hole. I don't know. But I've, I've taught the kids, though, just based on my military experience, that if you cannot identify the food that is in front of you on the chow line, you, you should not consume it. You'd probably not eat it. Yeah. It, one of the nice things about uh, the chow hall, at least from, you know, my recollection was breakfast. It was a smorgasbord. I mean, you go in there and you got um, two lines coming in the building with uh, griddles, and there's a guy back there working seven orders of eggs at one time. You know, doing the Benihana thing with the utensils, flipping them around, all that kind of stuff. And then, so you get your eggs or your omelet or whatever, and then you go and you've got any kind of fruit you want, any kind of snacks you want, all kinds of pastries. I mean, breakfast was where it was at, at least in my experience, and it seemed to get better every deployment. Yeah. You were on the ground. I was. I was on a boat. I was on I was on the mighty USS Nimitz. Mighty, mighty, mighty. And we would have you know, whatever was left over from the week before. <laughs> we but my but my my absolute favorite time to eat though was mid rats. So mid rats is midnight rations. So we would we would launch at ten or eleven o'clock at night. Fly for about an hour and a half, come back, and that time that we would land and put away our gear and come into the into the uh, ward room, which is for the officers, um, was around two o'clock in the morning. And there's the mid rats guy, who is the best cook on the planet. Bro, what was your name? I need you to call in because I need to know how you made those. He made fried eggs with some cheese on it with white bread, and then you drop. Cholula on it. And it is, it's like crack. You know why it's like crack? Because it's two in the morning? Because it's two in the morning and they didn't clean the grill yet. So it's got all the stuff from all the, the whole day on it. Yeah. And that's what makes it good. I don't know when they cleaned it. That'll be another topic. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Cholula. Okay. So on the boat, yeah. we had, we call it the boat, even though it's a giant ship. So when we're on the boat, we had these things called feats of strength. Feats of strength is when a bunch of morons got together and tried to outdo each other by consuming various products, like a gallon of milk. I know, it sounds disgusting. They would also drink a whole entire bottle of Cholula, or they would have like 8 ounces or 16 ounces of Cholula, and they would drink that, and it never ended well. How did it end? What was the worst ending? I uh, well, there was lots of vomiting, 
It was pretty, it was pretty gross. Like, I don't, I don't understand why we actually had a guy in my squadron who would practice and he would drink all this water all the time to make his stomach larger until, until the day of the feats of strength. So he could fit more milk into his stomach. I think it's physically impossible. Physically? Yeah. The milk, the gallon of milk. Have you ever seen somebody try it? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, that's what they did. They would drink a whole entire gallon of milk. The whole thing? They'd get the gallon in? I thought it was impossible. I've got a friend that tried it. Yeah. And I saw the results. I've got a picture. Maybe we'll post it on the uh, Instagram page. It's really gross. It's pretty There's bad. There's nothing good about that. It doesn't smell good either. No. Oh. <laughs> it's like death with like some rotten milk on top. <laughs> but I do love the Cholula. I do love it. And I've got my kid. He's 13. He yeah. loves it. Which flavor? Just the regular one, the, regular? the original. Mm-hmm. I like the uh, chili garlic myself. Chili garlic. Mm, yummy. Isn't there like five flavors? Five or six. I like to put it on uh, toast with some butter, some avocado. Yeah. A little salt, uh, egg fried. Our listeners, on the top. our listeners are hungry now. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. They're going to go shave their beard and have a fried egg. <laughs> with a cup of coffee. <laughs> the cup of coffee and some wine. <laughs> See how we tied all that together? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it so much. Dead air. Dead air. <laughs> oh, that's where the time is. I wanted to see where the time was. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so this is our first podcast. So we're trying to figure it all out. But I think we're getting there. This yeah, ought to be fun. There. We want to, if you guys have questions for us, um, Write us at our email, the Dysfunctional Veterans Podcast. No, that's not what it is. The, <laughs> the DVS Delta podcast. Victor yeah, Delta Victor Sierra Podcast at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Ask us your questions. So a little bit of history about me. I was in the military for 20 years and one week and a half a day. And I counted every second. So I started out enlisted. I was an operations specialist in the Navy. What is an operations specialist? What, is it, what do you do? What oh, do yeah. Do? Okay, so this is what I always tell people. Remember in Top Gun where the admiral has his, like, cigar and, and they're trying to get everybody in there in the dark room with the radar screens? Yeah. Yeah, so I was, like, the person who worked on the radar screen. Fantastic. Yeah, so I was a combat air controller. Awesome. I, I hunted subs. Yeah. I launched harpoon. Subs in the air? Subs underwater. It's a submar- submarine. Wait. But you're a combat air controller. I was a combat air controller, comma, and also add on. <laughs> additionally, <laughs> I hunted subs. <laughs> I controlled um, helicopters and P3s, and occasionally I controlled fighters, but not very often. Um, we mostly did sub hunting with the P3s, dropping sonar buoys and stuff like that. And nice. hunting subs takes forever. It takes yeah. forever. And they're then you quiet. Find, I heard they're quiet. You heard that they were quiet? I did. Yeah, they're very quiet. Shh. Yeah, we're actually going to have on a friend of mine who was a sub a, a sonar operator. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. He doesn't know yet, but he's going to be here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very nice. Yeah, so I did that. And then I also um, was qualified to assist with launching Tomahawk missiles, which is super fun. And harpoon missiles. I was a harpoon launcher. And those are kind of useless, but you know, whatever it is what it is. And we got to just shoot up, shoot up things all the time. 
but nice. you know, a lot of it's the, pe- yeah, when, uh, when we had to, so this is when I was on a destroyer and I was on the USS O'Bannon, which is a DD. It's not a, it's not a Aegis class destroyer. It's a Spruance class destroyer. So we are, so our radar system was a little bit different than the, the newer stuff. That's a little bit more fancy when I would, when we would have like any kind of patrol boats that would come near our ship or any kind of aircraft that would come near our ship, we always have to give warnings to them to tell them to go away from our ship and they have to stay 10 miles outside of our, out of our range and the carrier's range. They did not like hearing women. They did not want to listen to a woman's voice ever. They would only respond to men. But I remember one time there was this Iranian patrol boat. We were in the Persian Gulf. There was this Iranian patrol craft that was like circling around our boat and we could see him through the binoculars and he had his feet up on a chair and he's leaned back and he's talking on the radio and eating a sandwich and he's going, oh, American warship, you can't get near us. And we were like, yeah, that's true. We just can't do that. We can't. <laughs> he's right. <laughs> so we had this Iranian guy making fun of us, this big warship. We couldn't do anything about it. It was, it was a bummer. That's terrible. It is terrible. That's terrible. He was probably drinking coffee. So that's what an OS does. What else did you do in the Navy? Yeah, I, I did a little stint in the as a public affairs person. That was terrible. Yeah? Yeah. I was on the news occasionally. I didn't know I was being recorded half the time, so I'd see or hear my voice on the television. It's like, what the... That's ridiculous. But um, as a PAO, you're always going to be like the first in line to know the information to give it out to the news. So that, that that was fun sometimes and sometimes not, you know, if we had an aircraft mishap or something like that, that was horrible. And then, so when I was on shore duty in Corpus Christi, Texas, have you been there? I've been there. Yeah. One of my kids was born there. It's windy. It's very windy there. (laughs) So when I was stationed there, I did night school through, I used tuition assistance and I got my, all my college paid for because I was working the night shift. And so I would just study at nighttime and then I got it done in two and a half years. And then I put in my, my OCS package, my officer candidate school package and motivated, went on to flight school where I became a Navy flight officer. Naval flight officer. It's the same thing as goose. Yeah. Yeah. Goose. Goose from Top Gun. If you haven't watched Top Gun, there's something wrong with you. You have to go watch it today. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for the new one to come out. When is it going to come out? I don't know. Why, why, also, why doesn't Tom Cruise age? Uh, he does a little bit. Oh, one of the... Okay, here's... Scientology, that's probably the answer. I, I, or maybe it's the same cream that uh, old dude uses. No. No? No. No, I... I have no comment. <laughs> One of the cool things I got to do when I was public affairs in Corpus Christi, though, we were, it was when they were filming for Pearl Harbor. So we had the USS Lexington down in Corpus Christi. Right. And so we decorated it like a Japanese warship. And all these World War II veterans like freaked out on us because we had it decorated. We were like, spoiler alert, we won the war. But I mean, I get it. There, you know, that's I wouldn't want an Iraqi flag or something hanging on, you know, any of our ships either. Yeah, so, yeah. so, but we got to go out there. We got to watch the filming of Pearl Harbor, and Ben Affleck is really tall. Oh yeah, he's like six thousand feet tall, 
so he was out there. Michael Bay was out there. And we got to watch them be directed. And I got to tell you, I cannot, I would not be able to be a serious comic actor ever. They're like, he's, they've got the front cockpit of some aircraft. It's fake. And they've got this fake wind blowing in the fan. And they're like, okay, <laughs> look left. And so they look left, look right. Okay. Fiddle with your instruments. Like there's no, there's no way I would be able to do that. So meanwhile, I'm talking to the public affairs officer who is now like, a captain in the Navy. So she's been in for a minute. She was the PAO as a junior ensign for the filming of Top Gun. Uh, So, you know, the part on Top Gun where he's like down on the hangar deck and he's got, he's got gooses, um, dog tags in his hand. And he's like, there's like the sad music. Uh The sad music is happening. There's actually dialogue there, but the sad music is happening because there's all these enlisted guys on the flight deck yelling down at Tom Cruise. But that was why they had to dub that out and go over it with music. (laughs) So that that is your random (laughs) random knowledge from Top Gun. Interesting. Top Gun's still cool though. So, uh, so you you got your degree. You went to uh, OCS. Yep, went to yeah. OCS in Pensacola, Florida. In Pensacola, with Gunnery Sergeant Merriman. Oh yeah, I remember yeah. that guy. He was a he was a Marine Corps sniper. He was. He liked to hang upside down out of trees and yeah, and try to scare people. Yeah, he did that <laughs> yeah. with his hat. Yeah, I remember that guy well. Uh, and then, uh, so after you went to OCS, uh, and then you um, went to. I stayed in Pensacola yeah. and I went to Naval Flight Officer School. Right. Yeah, and they said I was too short to be a pilot. Yeah. You're a little short. I am kind of short. <laughs> I'm at least 4'11". <laughs> I guess you didn't wear your pumps that day. I didn't wear my pumps that day. I needed a phone book and some pumps. <laughs> yeah, my anthropometrics just ain't cutting it. Yeah. Anthropometrics, that's yep. an interesting. We'll have to talk about that one day. Yeah, well, that'll be a whole separate discussion. Yeah. Yeah, so I did... Um, so you go through API pre-flight training in school. You learn some basics about aviation and then go back and go to ground school and learn how to fly. I learned how to fly the T-34. You learned on the T-34 too, right? Nope. I learned on the T-37. The T-37. Is that the yeah. tweet? It is the tweet. Yeah, the tweet. So cute. <laughs> yeah. So we went, for, so I did the T-34, the turbo mentor. Right. Yeah. Slash torture device for all students. Right. And then I selected um, to go to jets. And so I got to go down the jet pipeline. So that was T-39 um, out of Pensacola still. And then went to VT-86 for my advanced training. And so then we get to fly the T-2, which was so fun. But I was the only one because I was little. I was the only one who could fly with this one specific instructor who was like on the fluffy side. And so for weight and balance, I was the only one who could fly with him <laughs> at the time. Because <laughs> I didn't knock the weight and balance out. <laughs> T2 is so fun to fly, though. It's a fun jet. It was. It was a fun jet. Yeah. I got a little bit of time in that one. Yeah. Then, um, because I suck at math so bad, I the fighter was not going to be an option for me. I'm just You have to do a lot of math. Gotcha. And so I went prowlers. But if I had to do it all again... I would have chosen the E2 because I was already a combat controller, but I was too short for that too. I think you're the only person that would ever say that. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I have a feeling. Yeah. (laughs) Just a smidge of a feeling. Yeah. So then I went to, uh, 
the RAG or the Reserve Air Group, FRS, Fleet Re- Replacement Squadron, I guess they're calling it now. But back in my day, <laughs> it was the RAG. <laughs> that was up in Woodby Island, Washington. And uh, you go through that for a hot minute. And then I went to VAQ 135. So VAQ stands for Fixed Wing Attack. Electronic. Electronic is the Q. And so that was 135. And uh, the Black Ravens. The Black Raisins. Right. We were up there together. Yeah, we were. That's not where we met. That's not where we We met. We actually met in Pensacola. That's right. Yeah, we met at a leadership school. What was that called? Leadership school. No, there was a. That's the one Jeff taught. For it. Yeah. I'll have to ask Jeff. Eight. No, that wasn't AVUs. No, that's not AVUs. Oh, I went to AVUs. Yeah, before I went to the squadron. What was that called? Navy leadership. Something. It's totally in the wrong place. Like you don't know anything about anything, and they make you go to leadership school. That's right. (laughs) Learn how to be a leader in a week. (laughs) I don't know what's wrong with the Navy. (laughs) So, uh, so. 135 and then? Yep. Then I left 135 and I went to go teach aerodynamics at pre-flight right. in Pensacola. Yeah. And it was glorious. We'll, we will have a conversation about the hidden gems that are in the military. And uh, that is one of them. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was amazing. I got to run the Navy's water survival program. Fantastic. And, um, well, my name was on the top anyway. This other guy ran it. <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> I know what you mean. I got to instruct and... Um, Meet lots of lots of people that were super cool, and I can see them now. They're lieutenant commanders now, or commanders in the Navy, and just doing their thing. It's awesome. And then I went to San Antonio, and I retired at Lackland Air Force Base from the Joint Electronic Warfare Center. And let me tell you, there are some nerds at that place. <laughs> we need nerds. <laughs> lots of nerds there. <laughs> they do good things. Yeah, and I retired in 2013. So 50 pound brains, 50 pound. Yeah. Maybe even 60. Yeah. That's big. Super nerdy. Fantastic. How's retirement been? It's been good. It's been good. I'm almost at eight years now. goes by wow. fast. And let me tell you, if you have a chance to retire in the military, you should. Stiffy retired too. You can tell me about your, your trip. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> where'd you grow up at? Uh, just up the street in Oklahoma. Um, anyway, I was, um, uh, my granddad, I've been flying since I was 14, and my granddad told me if um, if I wanted to be a pilot, I needed to be a mechanic, too. So I went to A&P school and got my mechanic's license That's first. Awesome. And I turned wrenches for about five years, and I got tired of paying for flying lessons. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of came into the whole thing uh, a little blind. I mean, I joined the Navy because I wanted to land on aircraft carriers, and that, you know, I thought I got to pick all that stuff, right? Yeah. Anyway, so. You do. You um, get to pick it all. So <laughs> It's all your choice. <laughs> went to the recruiter here in Dallas, and... Um, Goodness, did all, fiddled out all the paperwork, took all the tests, um, supposedly got the one open slot that was left to go to OCS, uh, started in, let's see, February of 2000, um, went through OCS, kind of the same track you took, OCS and API, and then uh, I went to primary with the Air Force, though. I had an opportunity. I wanted to go up there, but um, apparently they were only sending... Um, ROTC and Academy kids is what I was told, but something came up, somebody didn't want to go and I volunteered and off to the races. So I went to Vance Air Force Base, flew T-37s, uh, got through that, selected jets, flew, went to Meridian, Mississippi, flew T-2s, T-45s, was um, flying the T-45 Charlie and um, then selected Prowlers out of there, uh, went up to Whidbey Island, AVUs, 
were we in the same? We were not in the same AV school class. We were pretty close. Yeah, I was the there, two thousand and <clears throat> I think two thousand and one. Right, and then uh, sat around for a little while uh, because of that four and a half bearing issue. Uh, yes, I remember that. And then um, went to the rag. Uh, or the FRS, uh, selected, initially I was in VAQ 140 for about a week. They were on deployment. Yeah. They didn't want you cause yeah, you, me and, me and Goiter, you were a new guy. And, well, no, there was two of us. And I think what I was told, it was just going to be, uh, they wanted to get me in the mix. It was going to be too long cause they were coming back from deployment yeah. in like a month. And instead of, um, you know, going out for a month and then coming back, um, I got sent over to VAQ-133, which is an expeditionary squadron. So we did all of our flying on all my deployments out of Bagram, Afghanistan. So I've got 20 years. I got 20 years in the Navy and seven days on a ship. A whole seven days. A whole seven days, all for carrier quals. Um, so after uh, VAQ-133, I went down to Kingsville and instructed in T-45s for a while. And then uh, after that, uh, went up to the uh, Hornet FRS, did that for a minute. And uh, that's a whole other story we can get into later. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, went to Offutt Air Force Base, was there for five years, did um, a three-year short tour at um, Strategic Air Command. And that's, then, a, that's actually who I worked for when I was at the Joint Electronic Warfare Center. Our main boss was Stratcom. Uh, yeah, at Stratcom. And so... Uh, Three-year short tour with Stratcom, and then a two-year C tour, basically out of the same building with Stratcom on a quote-unquote C tour. Right, a platform called the uh, NAOC, the National Airborne Operations Center. That's a whole other podcast as well. <laughs> uh, but I w- we were actually gone quite a bit. I was gone more on that tour, just in smaller chunks, than I would have been yeah. on a Navy, a regular Navy C tour. Um, so after that, um, we had our hidden gem tour, which was uh, Naples, Italy. So I was the operations officer at the base at Capitolino Airfield in Naples, Italy for three years. Then, you know, we had so much fun doing that that I had to go to Bahrain for a year by myself unaccompanied and finished off over at uh, SOCOM in Tampa, Florida. And that was fantastic as well. Yeah. And then retired in April, which is about the worst time for a pilot, uh, for a pilot to retire, April of 2020. Yeah, we couldn't even do your retirement. That's right. We, we couldn't even have your retirement. It was scheduled, planned, had a live band, had everything the whole set thing. up, and then had to cancel the whole thing. Because we were going to do it in Durant, Durant, Durant Oklahoma, right. at Roma's Italian restaurant. And then everything got canceled. The best restaurant. Planet Earth got canceled. In Oklahoma. <laughs> What's it called again? Roma's. Roma's Italian. You've been there. We did I've that. Been there. Yeah, that's where we went for the, uh, the see, wedding We've been there for well. your wedding, for your retirement, for all, <laughs> all of the things. For just random visits with uh, with your dad and your mom, who are like the greatest people ever. They're not, they're not bad. Yeah. <laughs> so that's us. We, uh, we have lots to, to talk about and lots of experience. And um, we also want to hear about your experience. We're in the Navy. We want to hear about Marines and we want to hear about Army and we've got my dad who was in the Army and your dad. If you were in the Air Force or are in there, you could call in too. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll take your questions. Even, even the Air the Force. Can. But uh, yeah, that's us in a nutshell. So we hope you listen to the podcast. Hope you like, uh, like the podcast and hit us up on Patreon if, uh, if you want to hear more. Uh, our Patreon is the Dysfunctional Veterans Podcast. On Patreon. We are also on Instagram at 
Dysfunctional Veterans Podcast. That's on Instagram. So come and find us. We'll send, we'll drop some pictures in there. And we are out of pretty much Dallas, Texas. Pretty much. Pretty much. All right. Good to talk to you guys. Hope to see you again soon. Stay dysfunctional. Ciao, ciao. We hope you've enjoyed the Dysfunctional Veterans Podcast. If you'd like to know more about the adventures of Dirty and Stiffy, go to the Dysfunctional Veterans Podcast at Patreon.com. Until next time, have a dysfunctional time, and we'll be standing by with lots of pancakes. On behalf of the Dysfunctional Veterans Podcast, this has been your incredibly professional-sounding announcer speaking.